Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Good morning. If you are newer to our church, you may notice that some of the folks up here on the platform do not wear masks. I just want to let you know that each Sunday we do rapid test, um, and of course, unless we're negative, we don't um, come and, and take our masks off, but it's because so much human connection happens through the face. And I, it's hard to make a connection this way when half our faces are covered. And so we hope you'll understand. How many of you guys are happy that winter is among us or upon us? How many of you? All right, my fellow crazies, winter is my favorite season. I love winter. It's why I don't think I could ever move away from Chicago. I just love Chicago winter. And part of the reason I like it so much, I realize as I get older, is I like it because it's hard. Because the rest of the year, I'm sort of in brain-dead autopilot. It's just so easy to be. But in winter, you've got you to gotta actually mean it. <laughs> like Every little thing you've got to actually want to do. And I appreciate how it wakes me up in my heart, in my soul. It's one of the things I love about winter. We live in a part of the country where winter gets your attention. Would you agree? Some of you right now are going to, I've lost you for the rest of this message because you're plotting how you're going to get to California eventually. But I think it's important while we live here that we're mindful of the fact that winter for us in this part of the country is a reality. And if you don't approach it that way and just slide into winter, it's going to kick your butt. It's going to freeze parts of your life you can't afford to have frozen. I want to look at 2 Timothy 4, 9 to 21 this morning. This is not part of a series. It's just a burden God gave me this past week as I was thinking about what I'm going to say to our church. And I realized that I, w- I really feel a burden to help us prepare spiritually for the months that lie ahead. In this part of 2 Timothy, this is, this is the second and last letter that Paul writes to his spiritual son, Timothy. At least it's the last letter recorded for us in the Bible. And you can feel a very deep personal energy being transmitted in this letter. He is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he's desperate to see his spiritual son. In verse 9, he says, do your best to come to me quickly. Paul rarely speaks like this. He doesn't write this way. It's very personal, very vulnerable. And you can feel the urgency. He wants to see this person who is so important to him on a personal level. See, Paul is under house arrest in Rome. And I don't know if any of us have ever been in trouble with the law, but if any of us have ever been uh, incarcerated, even for a day held in custody, it's a pretty lonely experience, I'm sure. My, my brother, because he was driving on a suspended license once, was held at a police station for like three hours, and it, he freaked out. <laughs> I remember when we went to pick him up, he's like, he looked scarred by three hours in a police station. Can you imagine being locked up? And he's in house arrest in Rome, and right now what he's going through is a, not just um, a, a, a dark time, but a feeling of frozenness in his heart. He says to Timothy in verse 13, when you come, 
Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. So he, he goes on to say, when you come, I want you to come quickly. There are some items specifically I really want you to bring. One of them is a cloak. I don't know if you know what a cloak is, but a cloak is just an old-fashioned word for coat. It's a, it's a giant draped garment with usually a hood. It keeps you warm in cold weather. And so obviously Paul is asking for something because he's freezing right now. And then he asks for his scrolls, which are basically his books, and then his parchments, which are the notes that he has made. Articles, essays, journals, notes, things that record what he's learning from the books. So all these things are important to him. He says, please bring me these things. And then in verse 21, he says, and do your best to get here before winter. I think we can relate to this because Paul feels the chill in a lot of those homes, it wasn't like they had glass window panes. You felt the weather and you had to make do, somehow survive the cold of the changing seasons. And so Paul feels winter coming, but he's also going through a winter of the soul. And so he's saying to Timothy with some measure of urgency, please do your best to come to me before winter hits. We can relate to that, can't we? Because if you live in Chicago and you're not a dummy, you're going to spend a little energy preparing for winter. You can't just let winter hit you. you got to get some stuff ready. I, I, I would love if we had time for us to just share with each other, what do you do to winterize your life? But what are some of the stuff we do? I mean, think about how much preparation we go through in Chicago to get ready for winter. How many of you still hang that plastic stuff over your windows to not let the draft in, right? I used to hate that stuff because it left this residue of tape all around the window frame that it never came off. It stayed up all year. The next year, you could just put the plastic right back up because the sticky stuff is still up there. We put away the shorts, at least most of us over 25. I noticed people under 25 wear shorts all winter. <laughs> Crazy. But, but we put that stuff away, we break out the long underwear, we get the, the thicker clothing. Some of us change the tires on our car. We do all kinds of stuff. We make sure that the gas, the gas is fresh in the snowblower. If you don't have a snowblower, you make sure that your shovels are still sturdy. You get rock salt for your drive. Think about all the stuff we've got to go through that Californians, those lazy Californians, what do they know about winter? I'm offended whenever I go to California and see people owning North Face jackets. They should be banned in that state. So we have so much to do to get ready. And this is what Paul's doing here. He's getting ready because winter is coming and it's not a joke. A wise person prepares for the coming of hardship. Now he's in Rome and if you've ever been to, just curious, how many of you have been to Rome? Beautiful, the eternal city. It's warm most of the time. But I did a little research there's a reason he wants his cloak. During the winter months in Rome, the average temperature ranges from 38 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit. So 38 is pretty chilly. It's not like you're walking around in shorts in Rome, and he's stuck in a house with open windows. So he wants the cloak. That's self-explanatory. But we also know, by the way, that it does snow in Rome. It doesn't snow often, but here's a picture of snow in Rome. Every 25 to 30 years, they get a significant snowfall. It happened in 1985 and 1986. It happened again in 2012. Uh, so every once in a while, they get a massive dump of snow in that city. So it's not like a, a, a tropical climate over there. And so he asks for his coat because that's just a practical concern. But then, just like here, the sun sets at 4.30 all winter in Rome. Isn't the worst part of winter? It's like 4.30, it's already dark out. That's, I don't know why, but that, that's starting to affect me more and more. And with no electric lights, 
Paul is urgent to get some of his study in while the days are still long. And so he begs his spiritual son, Timothy, when you come, you will warm my heart, but I need my books because I still have daylight before winter hits. And so he's urgent to get those items. All that to say, Paul, like any wise person, sees winter approaching and he's doing what he can to prepare his life for the hardship. Because wherever you are, if winter hits, it's going to affect you. And it's going to be the hardest season, physically speaking, of all the seasons that we have. Fall is a little hard if you own a big property because you've got to clear the leaves like 20 times. And I have a leaf mulcher, one of those leaf vacuums. It still takes me forever. So it's hard, but it's nothing like winter. We live in a place where if I left a glass of water outside my house last night, it would be a glass of ice this morning. I want you to pause and think about that, because all, all the way driving to church, it was 32 degrees. That's a freezing temperature of water. We live in a place where it's like if you opened the freezer in your fridge and walked in and lived in there for three months. Think about the insanity of that and why we're so much tougher than Californians. <clears throat> I just got to get that in there once in a while, because California has such a pull on everybody, and they win everything. Never mind Hawaii, which is even more awesome than here. But it makes us tough to live in a place like this. you got to mean it to live in a place like this. We're about to face our second winter with COVID. And that's going to make things even more screwy, right? Because you know how it's been. And so if you are not ready for what's coming, it's going to defeat you. Winter will beat you if you don't prepare. You don't need my advice as a pastor to winterize your house or your car. That's not my purview. But I want to help you think about how to prepare your soul for the coldness that's coming. And I'm not just talking about temperature, as you'll see soon. The first admonition I'll give you, <laughs> this is how genius I am, stay warm. Okay? Think about how much winter preparation revolves around trying to keep warm. Because winter is not the arrival of cold so much as the absence of heat. Heat during summer, spring, even most of fall here in Chicago is something you count on. It's just ambient. It's there because of the sun. It's shining. You just enjoy the ambient temperature most of the year. But in winter, all that heat gets sucked out of reality and it's replaced by the absence of heat. That's all cold is. Just like darkness is the absence of light, cold is just the absence of heat. And thank God that there are ways to generate heat, but that's important. So I break out the space heaters and get out the long underwear. So much of winter prep is knowing cold is coming. We've got to prepare ourselves for heat. When you look at what's going on at the time that Paul is writing this letter, it's not just the cold temperatures of winter that have him concerned. He shares very autobiographically here, very personally, and he's writing to, to Timothy, who is someone very close to him, so he could take all of this personal stuff that he's disclosing. And he says, For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Things have not been easy for Paul. 
This is his second time in prison in Rome. During the first prison imprisonment in Rome, this guy Demas that he's talking about had been a huge part of his life. Demas had been his truest friend, a very great help. He mentioned him twice in the Bible, saying Demas was invaluable. I survived my first imprisonment largely because Demas was a good friend. But on the second imprisonment, and hasn't it been the case sometimes that people who are such an important part of your life in one season are just gone for the next one? How painful that can be when you have such dear memories of how important you were to each other, and now when you're going through this new trial, they're gone. They're just not there. And he says, and the most discouraging is, Demas didn't just reject Paul, he rejected their way of life. He loved the world, he chose the very obvious benefits of the world over the delayed benefits of the kingdom of God. And then there's Crescens who went to Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. And there's Titus who went to Dalmatia, which is modern-day Croatia. And these guys went on legitimate ministry, but still they were gone. Sometimes people leave our lives because God legitimately calls them away to a new assignment. I've had to endure that time and time again. People I've grown to love and care for deeply move on from harvest because God calls them elsewhere. And even though I understand and bless the reasons for going, it still hurts, doesn't it, to see someone you love no longer a part of your daily life. Only Luke remains. And so Paul says, I'm lonely, come to me quickly, and if you can, bring Mark with you. And he goes on to say, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposed our message. So not only has he been abandoned by a very trusted friend, or had legitimate partners leave him for other ministries, but he's got this guy named Alexander, a metal worker, probably an influ influential tradesman in town, who has strongly opposed him. And though we can't be sure from what's written here, it's a pretty good educated guess that this Alexander is one of the big reasons why Paul is in prison right now. That Alexander had caused a great deal of legal trouble for Paul and somehow put him in a situation where he had to be imprisoned. And so Paul... I don't know if this is just passive-aggressive or if he's honest, but he's like, may the Lord deal with him. <clears throat> that's probably not what we'd want to say. We're like, I'm going to get that sucker. But that's what he's feeling, is this guy, he for, for whatever reason decided to come actively out against me. I don't know if you've ever had an open enemy. Not someone who's passively doing it secretly, but just in your face going, I hate you, I'm going, to, I'm going to destroy your plans, I'm going to work against you. And it's such a scary, like it's a violated feeling when someone so boldly stands in front of you and opposes you to your face. That shakes you a little bit. And especially when that opposition puts you in a terrible life situation, like wrongful imprisonment. And then Paul goes on further to lament that when I had my first defense trial, no one came to my support. Have you ever been there? When you needed your friends to advocate for you, to have your back, and they were just gone? Where are they? No one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. And again, I hope this is honest. He says, may it not be held against them. I want to grow spiritually to the point where I can say stuff like that and truly, truly mean it from my heart when people betray me. Everyone 
deserted him. So Paul's not just describing that through the window he feels the chill of approaching winter, but he's having a winter of the heart, of the soul. Most of us have been there before, haven't you? Totally feeling alone, misunderstood, abandoned or deserted, frozen out by a group of friends, opposed openly, or you're the only person who thinks or feels a certain way in a group that you want to belong to, and they are rejecting you or pushing you away. Do you know what that feels like? The same way it feels if you walk outside right now and spend the rest of the service watching the service on your phone without a jacket. That's what it feels like inside when a person's going through a winter of the soul. It's inwardly chilling. And Paul's going through exactly a season like that. So whether it's the approaching season of winter or it's the situation of, of winter of the soul, coldness deeply affects us. And Paul says in the midst of all this, there is one bright spot, something that has warmed him. And when I say stay warm this winter, here's what I really mean spiritually. It's what Paul testifies, and he's not just blowing smoke here. This is an honest confession of why he's still standing. He says, but the Lord, everyone else was flaky. Undependable. They deserted, abandoned him. People openly opposed him. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Be careful how you read those last sentences. He's not suggesting that the Lord will deliver him from every earthly trial. He's in prison writing this. How could he say that? What he's saying is no matter what he goes through, what is secured for him in the eternal kingdom of God can never be shaken. What he's testifying, what he's confessing is no matter what I go through, my faith is unshakable because God has secured it. He stands by me and I can go through hell on earth and end up leaving this world in the worst possible way. Other people might stand around and think about my life story and say, what a tragedy, what a waste. Why do they trust God when their life ended so horribly? And he says, even so, I know where I stand with God. That is something in my heart of hearts that can never be taken away from me. He will bring me safely home to his heavenly kingdom. And when he says he will rescue me from every evil attack, he's saying those attacks may destroy my body, my livelihood, but they will never destroy my faith. That remains a fire that never goes out, no matter what, because God has lit that flame. What gave him warmth in this chill was the presence, the real presence of God in his life. I don't know how you're wired. I know that each one of us is put together very differently. What blesses me may not bless you. There are people who can listen to Christian music all day and feel just the closeness of God. I got to just confess to you, Christian music rarely touches my, music period, rarely touches my heart. I'm not a music guy, but if I hear an idea in a podcast 
I feel so close to God. Well, I, like, that is such a powerful truth. And God like hugs me through ideas. God warms my heart through his real presence in other people, too. And sometimes, on rare occasions, he touches me, is present with me through nature. That's becoming more and more a reality for me as I get older. All that to say, I'm very different than some of you. I'm not going to tell you specifically how you feel or experience the presence of God, but I know you already know what sorts of things in your life help you enter and experience that presence of God. And all I'm saying as winter approaches is you will be chilled, whether relationally or through the weather. Cold sets up on us and it freezes us. It slows us down. It brings things to a grinding halt. And if you want to stay warm, you've got to actively be about those things that bring you into the presence of God and bring his presence into your life. Now, we're not a moralistic church. We're not a church, and you'll notice this, we don't constantly heap upon you responsibility and burden for everything you have to do to make Christianity work. I don't think it's that kind of faith. God does most of the carrying and most of the lifting in the Christian life. But that doesn't mean there aren't times when we have to walk. God does carry us, but he also asks us to walk. It's just like raising any child. Man, when my kids were younger and they fell asleep in the car, what did I do when we got home? I would pick them up sleeping out of the car and move them upstairs, lay them on their bed, and magically they would wake up in the morning like, How did, what, what happened? Until they turned 9 or 10, and then I just went, get up and you're home. You've got to walk yourself now because you're not doing that kid any favors if you keep carrying them up when they're 22. You're like, oh God, you're so heavy now. At some point, though we are carried when we need to be, our good, good father calls us to walk too. And for many of us, the temperature of our soul is not a function of God's failure to carry, but our failure to walk. I don't say that as a rebuke or an accusation, simply as an observation of truth. If Christianity is a relationship with the living God, it's got to be like every other relationship. It can't be one-sided. I can't constantly ask God to chase me, find me, call me, touch me, and I do nothing to approach Him. Have you ever been in a friendship like that? I'll put friendship in air quotes, because it's not really a friendship, is it? Do you have a friend like that, that you only talk when you call them, they never call you? Are you part of a one-sided friendship with someone else? Right? It's a terrible feeling. You realize they only reach out to you, or you only reach out to them. It's an entirely lopsided, one-sided relationship. Should our faith be the only place in our lives where we are so active in our expectations and so passive in our pursuits? I don't say this to scold us, but simply to say, look, winter is coming, and the cold is going to set, up, set in upon you. Winter does something to us, whether it's the winter of the heart or the winter of the body. Whatever helps you experience the warming presence of God, do that with extra intention now. Be wise. Learn how to stay warm when the cold sets in and the heat disappears. Because most of the year, it's kind of easy 
to stay warm inside. But this is a season of the year where it's going to get harder and harder to do that. The point is be intentional in seeking warmth in the presence of your God. Because we're not going to be around to give that to each other a lot of the time. We're going to try, but winter brings stuff to a grinding halt. Let me give you a second. You're going to realize what a simpleton I am. My second admonition is stay active. What do you notice people do when you're talking outside, you know, like you have this impromptu parking lot conversation after church, and someone is just going on and on and on. You're like, I thought this was going to be like a two-second high by. They're like pouring down their life story. And what do you start doing? It's meaningless. You're not going anywhere. But when you're cold, just moving helps, doesn't it? You know why? Because winter slows biological organisms down. Do you know you're like two-thirds water? When you walk outside to 32 degrees Fahrenheit, what do you think happens to you? Like everything slows down. We become like mannequins. And so it's harder to stay warm and stay active when it's cold and dark so much of the time. In winter, especially in Chicago, even the most simple task becomes harder, doesn't it? I mean, most of us, if we have a garage, it's not a big deal going to work in the morning. If you have a garage, it's nice, right? You roll right out, your car is snow and ice-free. There's no fog or, or ice anywhere, and you just take off. But when you're at work, you don't probably have a garage. Coming home from work is a whole thing, isn't it? If you don't have a garage, even just running out to the store is not running out to the store. We have to like, at least build in a whole extra 15 minutes in the morning to start your car, defrost your glass. How many of you guys are looking forward to this? Like, remember the first couple snows? You, you're rushing out, you're late to a meeting, you set your calendar basically the same way you always have, and you outside, you're going, oh shoot, I forgot about the whole ice and snow thing and warming up my car thing, and you're late to your first couple appointments in the winter. It's because the cold, the dark, all of that brings everything to a grinding halt. It slows life down. Every simple thing is harder during the winter. Paul makes an interesting statement. He says, I was warmed during this chill in my life because the Lord stood at my side. But I want you to notice that he doesn't say, and after the Lord strengthened me, I just rested in that embrace. I think that's the modern evangelical language, is when God touches us, we just rest in that embrace. That's good to do. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But that's not the only reason God warms our frozen bodies and our frozen hearts. Paul never lost sight of the fact that though he was going through trials, he was still a man with a calling from the living God. He still belonged to a kingdom. He still had a life's purpose. And none of that came to a halt because life got hard. It got a lot harder to do that work, to live out his purpose when winter came. But it doesn't mean that that purpose disappeared. And so what Paul testifies is that when God warmed him, it freed him up once again to proclaim the message fully to the Gentiles. I love that about Paul. It is such a a reprimand to me when I want simply for God to heal me, to warm me, to rescue me, so that I can be healed and warmed and rescued and let that be the end of the story. He does love you. He wants to warm you. He wants to comfort you. All of that is true because he cares for you, but that's not the whole story of you and God. 
The whole story of us and God is not just that He loves us, we love Him, you know, we're a happy family. We're also a people on a mission, and that mission, that kingdom, never stops. Trials and hardship make it harder for us to pursue that mission, but the mission remains. And so as Paul is warmed by God's presence, he resumes living out the calling and purpose of his whole life. You know, there are times when it's really easy to be zealous for God, to feel the inside fire. Do you notice that? There are times in your life where everything is going right, God is bearing fruit, people are getting along with you, and you just feel good about your faith. Days when you've had like meaningful connections throughout the week. You got touched by God during a devotional time. Sunday service was good. You stayed awake during the whole sermon. Like it's a really good week. On those weeks, it's really easy to feel that inner fire. But there are also seasons of our life where it's really hard. Where you feel a chill setting in in your heart. What, what happens to you when you feel that chill coming over your heart? What happens to you? I know what happens to me. One of the things that happens is I stop wanting to be around people. And I'm an extrovert. I love being around people. But I notice when that chill starts setting over me, I want to cancel appointments. I want to avoid social functions. Just the thought of being at a table with people kind of makes me irritated. I want to walk in a cave, shut down, shut out everyone else, and just be with myself. There are times when spiritual life feels like riding down a hill. You don't even have to pedal. But there are going to be times when the pedaling is required, where that downward coast becomes an uphill climb. That's, it's all a part of the Christian life. Thank God for the times when it's so effortless, when it's so natural and easy to be in love with God and to feel his love for us. But there are going to be times, guys, where you've got to commit yourself to how hard even normal things are. As Chicagoans going through winter, we know this. And if we accept it, winter becomes bearable. If you fight it and gripe the whole time, and do you know some people like that? All winter long, like they've moved, just moved to Chicago yesterday. Why is it so cold? And you're like, hey, it's been two months. Shut up. It's cold. You live here. It's every, tomorrow's going to be cold. Yesterday was cold. Lean into the cold. It's not going to change because you whine. At some point, accepting the hardship and acknowledging it's just going to be hard. That is a huge part of how we get through it, isn't it? Because if you don't, then it's like heaping extra weight on top of the already existing hardness. Winter is hard no matter what. But winter with a complaining spirit, with an unaccepting spirit, is unbearable. It's so much worse when every time you walk outside, you act like God just smacked you with a a terrible surprise. Freezing again? Yes. It's Chicago, and it's winter. Welcome to your life. That's what it is every day. I find it makes a huge difference when I just accept that this is going to be a time of the year when the simplest things that usually come effortlessly require effort on my part. And when I'm ready for it, then I can actually find 
possibility of joy in it. Here's the truth. I hate cleaning my windshield. It's an unbelievable annoyance to me. But when I accept that it has to be done, I find that then I look for opportunities to clean someone else's windshield. And when I see how much it touches them, it's so good. Some of you may have even walked outside of the ministry center and found your windshield cleared. It was me. I, I warned my own heart just doing it like I would hate to do this for my own car, but just imagine how relieved you're going to be. It warms my heart. Just accepting hard things is a huge part of growing and being victorious over those hard things. In his letter to the Romans, Paul writes something very interesting. I'm not sure how you can command such a thing, but when he commands it, the implication is it's possible to do this. He says, never be lacking in zeal. I'm not so sure if that's a command so much as a goal. Be zealous in every season, in every circumstances. In some, zeal is so easy. But in other seasons, zeal has to be grabbed onto. And then he says, but keep, but keep your spiritual fervor. That word fervor is the same Greek word that we translate boil. It's about heat, temperature. It's about water rising to the boiling point. And what he says is, you can't control a whole lot of things around you. You can't control the cold of relationships. You can't control the cold of winter or how those things affect you. But you have a great deal of control over the attitude with which you live your own life and approach those hardships. And what he says is, as far as it is up to you, Do everything you can to actively keep up your inner heat. And one way he says we do that is by serving the Lord, even when not serving the Lord is the most natural inclination of our hearts. I'll tell you that when winter comes, man, just doing the stuff that I normally do it's hard. I, I went through a, a period this week where like, even just getting out to the car and going, do I really want to go all the way to the office or can I just work from home today? I'm so much more productive when I go to the office. I'm just going to confess that to you. When I work from home, it's usually because I don't have access to a car because I'm copping out. I'm so much better at work. But I really struggled even to just go to work this week. Winter does that to us. We have to accept that it's going to be harder to do the normal things. I want to just challenge you to shed the complaining spirit, to lay hold of your own attitude, and as far as you are able, do everything in your power to keep that heat going. Let me give you one last thing. I don't know if winter's upon us, but some of you, I think I'm losing you. Are we okay? Would you just lightly touch the shoulder of the person next to you? Okay, all right. Hang on with me for one last thing. It's stay connected. Winter wreaks havoc on relationships. I think we all know that. Whereas when spring rolls around, you're looking for excuses to go out and get together with people. When winter comes, you're kind of dreading the obligations. We find that it's harder to connect with people And we find that we're less willing to make the effort 
I mean, even deciding to get in your car, I'm preaching to the choir, thank you for being here physically. But as winter hits us, even just coming to in-person church on Sundays is a whole thing, isn't it? There are Sundays where if I weren't the preacher, I'd be like, man, that live stream is a really attractive option. You mean I could stay in my pajamas and sit in my, my bedroom and watch it on the TV? I, I think that's an awesome option when you just don't want to go out. The simple act of connecting has to be a conscious choice during winter because it's so easy not to. I was really blessed as I heard stories from last winter uh, during the pandemic when we were really in lockdown mode. Some CGs formed bubbles and they continued to meet outside around solo stoves. I think our church actually raised the stock price of solo stove. I mean, everybody bought one and we're standing around open fires huddling against the cold just to connect with each other. One CG told me, by the way, if you're new to the church, a CG is a community group. Those are our small groups where we form smaller units of community life together. And one community group told me that they only missed three gatherings the whole winter, that they stood around a fire when it was 18 degrees outside with gloves and parkas on, and they connected with each other because they desperately needed to. And they made a commitment to one another. And each time the other people showed up, it was such a heartwarming affirmation that we are family to each other. I love stories like that because they run against the grain of our nature when things get cold and inconvenient. It's so much easier to stay in bed and curled up. In the midst of everything Paul's going through, he still ends his letter by extending his greetings to his faraway friends. He asked Timothy, please tell my good friends Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow church planners, that I miss them, that I love them. Give them my greetings and also Onesiphorus, another good friend. Let him know that I love him and miss him. And then he passes along the greetings of the Roman community to Timothy as well. Even in the midst of his spiritual winter, Paul takes time to acknowledge relationships that are important to him. I think if I was going through what he was going through, I would be in a mindset where I would say, I don't really care about people right now. I don't care who you say hi to, whatever. I'm freezing inside. I'm lonely. I'm abandoned. But he takes time to greet those people. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 11, I'll end with this. The writer of Ecclesiastes, a very wise man, reminds us that it's always better to face life together than alone. He writes, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, They will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? What a powerful reminder as winter approaches. Right now, with winter encroaching, I'm right there with you. Everything in my flesh says, hunker down, stay warm, keep inside, ride it out. The church will still be here when the ice thaws. I'm not so sure that that's always going to be true. The church is not an organization that just stays together no matter what. The church is a community of people. How we treat each other, 
how we link to one another, how we reach out to one another, is what forms the church. I think there will be an organization called Harvest Community Church in the spring, but I think how we experience that community has a lot to do with how we approach winter. There is a simple outline, and you heard me give a prepared sermon. But as we close, let me just share from the heart, really. Like, if you are not intentional heading into this winter spiritually, your faith is going to grow cold. Your heart will freeze. Some of you may find that it's already there. You're having a hard time even caring about anything that I'm saying right now because this is no longer a part of your life that is central for you. Don't just take that lying down. If what once warmed your heart, if your relationship with God once meant something to you, but you find today that your heart is cold and numb, don't just take it lying down. Figure out what happened. There are relationships, friendships that I valued that went cold. And because I cared about them, I wanted to know what happened between us. If at all possible, I want to rekindle that fire because you mean something to me. I want us to be able to say that to God if we find ourselves in a place where winter has set over our hearts. If we are not intentional, then winter will freeze our faith. So I exhort you in the name of Jesus as we approach winter whatever connects you to the presence of God whatever that is dig in lean into it do that thing because you can't afford to grow cold in there just like we stand out in a parking lot and shuffle our feet You can't control the cold around you, but you have a lot of control over how you react to it. The one thing you can control is your own attitude and your own choices. It's so easy to go dormant, but I exhort you in the name of Jesus, stay active. You'll be grateful you did. Remember how there was a thrill in college to blowing off a class? Alarm goes off. You're like, do I go to the 8 a.m. class? I'm going to blow it off. And there's this moment of exhilaration, right? <laughs> I'm blowing off class until you just realize how hard it is to catch up the next day. There's always a price to pay. When you drag yourself out of bed and go to class, you'll thank yourself later that you did. Right now, it's super easy to make the other choice. I ask you in the name of Jesus to make the different choice. Lean into your faith. Remember that you are a person with a calling. And the winter chill will not take that call away from our lives. Lastly, looking around this room, the church is us. And this church will be held together like a family only in so far as we are a family to each other in the love and the name of Jesus. So whatever you can do, say yes to community this winter.
even when it's hard. Be intentional about connecting with other people and not just in the church. You have neighbors right now where you live for whom winter is an unbearable loneliness, a painful season of the year. The holidays are tortured for some people around you and you can be the light of the world to them. Make every effort to build community when community is harder to build. So I'll leave you with that. That's all I'm going to say. Can I just leave you with a minute of quiet to just hear what God wants to say to you specifically as we head into winter? What commitment do you need to make in your own spirit so that you will not just let winter happen to you, but you will face winter intentionally? What commitment do you need to make today? pray together God we feel it already the chill of winter is upon us and even during a season where there's so much hectic activity and busyness in our spirits we just want to go dormant so draw us out Holy Spirit from that desire to fold in and close out the world around us. Pull us into your kingdom. Pull us into your presence. Pull us into our church family. When everything in our flesh screams, stay hidden, stay inside, stay quiet. Help us not to be defeated by winter, but to conquer it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.